Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Ehop Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Hot Mike, we're not in with We're Rome. back, baby. Friday edition is here. We're back. Bradshaw coming up in about 10 minutes. Um, Tiger Woods was back. and Then his back started well, acting up. So they're saying it's an illness. They're saying he, with, he, he had to with, uh, withdraw because of illness. But he did say he was suffering from back spasms yesterday. Yeah. Um, either way, it's his third time that he's had to withdraw from a tournament in the six that he's participated in. Um, and he didn't make the cut one time. He's only played the 72 twice. Like I said, Chad, let's, let's get to Augusta. Give him one more, one more run with Augusta. And then uh, just making a cut at Augusta would be huge. And then we are, we're on the, the, on to, uh, following Charlie Woods. Yeah. Charlie Woods is the next story. He's the next draw. Yeah. It just sucks with all the, the discussion about his new brand and all that. What do you make of the logo, by the way? Do you like it? Um, the tiger? I, I'm indifferent only because it doesn't really strike me, but it, it's also probably about the best they could have done. What's it? Uh, uh, Colin said it looks like what Slazinger was the yeah, old brand, the, the logo for that. I yeah, lost a lot of those at Memphis Country Club. It does look similar to that. I don't, I don't hate it, but I also like... I don't know. I, I do like the... I, I always like the... The TW. And I, 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 I understand why you don't do the silhouette because you've got the Jordan, right? You want to do something different. Um, and Tiger can do what he wants. He's going to sell yeah. tons of this stuff. I think the Tiger silhouette would be pretty cool. Yeah, it would. The, this, though, is as close. Like, it just in concept, what, it's pretty close to the iconic Jordan silhouette. Even though it's not a silhouette right. of Tiger, it's very – I like it that it's very simple. And I, they're not going for just the sports brand. Yeah. You know, it's a lifestyle brand. Lifestyle brand is what, Dad style, what they're saying. What he's going for. Chad, um, there's a big difference between, big difference, big gap between Roger Goodell and Rob Manfred. I don't think Major League Baseball would capitalize on, Ty, or on Tiger Woods, on Taylor Swift, the same way the NFL just did. I don't think they would even, would they even know? Would they even know? You're saying that if, if Taylor they, Swift dated Shohei Otani, no, not Shohei that Tani. they would not go in the same route. No, not Shohei Otani because she's not dating Patrick Mahomes. Um, just, you know, just a third baseman for the... Ozzie Albies. Sure. If she was dating Ozzie Albies of the Braves, now, it wouldn't be as big of a deal. I think the Braves broadcast would make it a big deal. I don't think Major League Baseball would lean into it the same way. They're stupid. They, they don't lean into the marketing angles... The, the personalities, the individual players that used to be, they're not there right now. They're, it's getting better, but it's not close to what it used to be. And because of that, I, I just look at it from a, you know, we got to protect the clubhouse and whatever. Uh, and while you may have the, the, the shots of whatever's taking place with the player outside of the game, in the game, it would be more about, you know, called strike three than it would be who's in the stands. It's kind of always been that way. Yeah, it's 
and Rob Manfred's announced that he's going to retire in 2029. So that that's going to be the end of that era. I, I think the baseball, the difficult balance of baseball has always been, it is a very unique sport in its longevity. It's the daily nature of it. So trying to balance the old fan that's always been a baseball fan, like the old man that keeps score at games, with a youthful energy about the sport. And this sport has never been more youthful on the field. Yeah. So especially a lot of the young Latin American guys, it's a very different vibe. I was watching in the hotel in Vegas at one point the Caribbean series, and it was the championship between Venezuela and Dominican Republic. And this thing was like a WWE <laughs> event. It was awesome. I mean, the crowd was nuts singing songs. Uh, I mean, guys were just talking trash to each other back and forth. Like there were huge match. celebrations, right? It was so much. There was there was a lot of flair, like uh, office fire, space fire in the stands. A lot of pieces of flair going on in this game. And I'm thinking, I don't know that I want Major League Baseball to be that right. necessarily, yeah. but a little bit of that isn't bad. But how do you keep a little bit of that from affecting the old? diehard fan to where they don't like it and they're turned off by it. There's a balance there, but the problem with Major League Baseball is I don't think they try to strike that balance at all. No. I think they just lean away from almost everything. They, I mean, Shohei Otani is a good name to mention. We just had a free agent of his ilk. The best. Yeah. And they got nothing out of it. It was just like, oh, well, he's going to be a Dodger. He wasn't hosting people in the Hamptons like Kevin Durant did. No, but I mean... Where we knew everything about him. There is, like... You know how the NCAA is like leaking information? If I'm Major League Baseball, I'm leaking that. I want my, the league discussed. And I don't even know if they even consider it. Just because an agent doesn't want it out there, Shohei Otani doesn't want it out there, doesn't mean that it came from the team. You know? like I, Well, they need, they need their guys, they need their stars to be stars and, and not to go away. They too often go away from the individual. I feel like, right? They brands can be stars too. The New York Yankees, sure. they're stars. Yeah. I'm fine with that. You know, the and Boston they, Red yeah. Sox, the Chicago Cubs, the LA Dodgers. Go down the list. These are star franchises, but lean more into the stars that make those teams and others. And I think it's only going to benefit the league. And they've never fully done that. Chad, that really that it's a secondary complaint of Manfred where I just don't think the, the marketing angle is all that great. What they have to fix is their broadcasts. They have to fix that platform. And they could soon be launching their own blackout-free streaming package. Where has this been? Yeah. You know, this has been well, long so, the complaint, and they could actually be rolling this out sooner rather than later. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the thought is those 14 clubs that were affected by um, Diamond Sports or whatever uh, that went away, yes, yeah. right, that they're going to do this as sort of a, a trial. And they're, and they're doing it through the league. Yes. And this will be the trial. And if it goes well, then every team will be on it And at some point. And That's the hope. So Manfred said, realistically, my target of having a digital package I can take to market would be for the 25 season. And he didn't explain if the league would have a distribution partner or just roll the games up to an existing MLB.TV service. But that's what they should do. I mean, in a way, that's what the NFL is about to do with the international games and everything, partly with ESPN. But they're going to have that platform. And you're going to get more content or more inventory on that digital platform than you would from your NFL app. Here is my sales pitch also. If, I, if I'm in charge of ad sales for this new service that's going to be direct-to-consumer for Major League Baseball, you have a captive audience because I'm not channel surfing off my team on a random Tuesday night right. watching a baseball game. Yes. So you got me. I'm here. 
let me see it. I'm going to put that on the background on my big screen and at whatever I'm doing in my house at night, that is going to be on the whole time. So every inning break, when you go to a commercial break, I'm not channel surfing. Whereas right now, I might watch a Braves game and then also go and watch something else because I'm watching through DirecTV or right, whatever. Yeah. Or go to Netflix or something else. But if I'm watching the game, it's on. I'm on that. I'm not going in between games. I'm not toggling back and forth. I'm watching my team. So you've got a captive audience because it's, that's all that's going to be on that streaming service is either if you subscribe to one team, that team you're watching, yeah. or other games that are happening that I'm not going to care about because I'm going to want to watch my team. The other thing that's interesting, so uh, Manfred went out of his way to praise Amazon, right? Because they're, they're considering a big investment with the Diamond Group. Yep. Um, if I'm Manfred, again, through 2029, I'm also heavily considering the network that has gone straight football, ESPN. And with this new this new uh, collaborative effort with what ESPN Fox and with Warner Brothers Discovery. Like what's that platform going to look like? And is that more beneficial than just having one streamer like Amazon? Yeah. It's a behemoth. Right. But I want, if, if it's a network that's just straight football and I can be the other network or the other league that's going to be on here with an investment from that network and you get Fox involved, which is already a league partner in a big way. Uh, plus what you could get with uh, Turner and uh, Warner Brothers. I'm, I think that's a great move if he could pull that off from that streaming platform. Because now, the NFL's already goes, trying to shut it down in some way. If it goes to Prime, though, I, I am more likely to click away to watch Mr. and Mrs. Smith or whatever else they offer. Or if yeah. it's on Apple, I might click away from, you might click away from the Orioles game to watch uh, For All Mankind, right? Because there's more entertainment options on those services. I just think that you've got an opportunity to, to for advertiser purposes, if you're selling ads for this, which you are, yeah. you're going to get a very captive audience because you're going to be on that service the whole time your team is playing. Yes, It's yeah. background noise. It's everything. But I think that's a big selling point if I'm the league and I'm the one in charge of selling get, ads for this Get this creative service. with this. If I'm, if I'm the Padres, give me something in that broadcast that's not just the same broadcast. And Major League Baseball should lean into that. You should have an individual choice on how you want to do this instead of just the, you know, the cookie-cutter, slated uh, format. Um, and again, because I, I say that because it's only 14 teams. Yeah. You know, you, you have a chance to have a little trial and error here. Right, yeah. They get a chance now to work it out, work out the kinks for these 14 in hopes that every team will be a part of it next year. Chad, uh, new program that you can check out at outkick.com, Maintaining with Tyrus. And... Uh, of course, you've seen him on Fox. He's uh, now a part of the Outkick family as well. And you can head over to outkick.com slash watch for uh, the episode of Maintaining with Tyrus where, well, Jordan Belfort and Wolf of Wall Street. Chad, you know how I feel about this oh, movie. Yes. My favorite. My favorite film. It's a uh, and spirit animal. It it's is. Jordan Belfort. Makes me want to watch it it's right now. It's a very now. important episode to him. And it could have had or should have had an alternate ending. Dane Bradshaw. It's a high roller. Back with us on the show. Great to have you back on, Dane. Hope things are well. Yeah, everything's great, man. Good to be on with you guys. Yeah, I, I wanna, this is a first. I'm going to ask you a women's basketball question. What do you make of Caitlin Clark and what she's doing at Iowa and what she's done and accomplished? Oh, it's, it's awesome. And I can't pretend to be uh, an expert in the women's game, but yeah. I'm sure it's been said many times, but it, it does. It feels like a Steph Curry of, of – 
of women's basketball right now, where it's become a, a must-see TV. Um, you're just on the edge of your sheet. What it's done to ticket prices. Uh, we saw the results last year of what it did to the NCAA tournament. How many people wanted to tune in for that? And it's been awesome. I mean, my my girls who maybe ordinarily wouldn't watch were tuned in last night and, and curious when the record was going to be broken and all that. So um, I, I'm I'm ecstatic for it. And, and as uh, as Chad and I were talking before with having young girls that are playing sports right now, I can only imagine the thrill the parents are going through to watch watch their baby girl kind of take over the sports world, uh, male or female, at this moment. Yeah, no doubt. Chad and I were discussing to begin the show. Uh, this is another example of NIL is here and is here to stay. I mean, she is the prime example of that. Uh, I, I agree. I, I think there's a lot of positives that have come with NIL and retaining some of the best talent. Uh, we see it in the college men's game where uh, I think that's where I, I'm not saying this is the reason, but a lot of people are trying to figure out why teams are so good at home right now. And I think, you know, one, you're getting older players, but you're also retaining some of that top talent. And uh, instead of guys risking going to the NBA and, and all those things. So um, for, for a lot of reasons, I think it's been good. Uh, but for other reasons, I could see it just being a complete nightmare as a coaching staff trying to figure out who's going to be on your team next year. The biggest problem I got is is more transfer portal. I, I want to see more guardrails on that. I just uh, seeing four schools in four years isn't uh, what I would like for my kid to have the option to do. Well, one area where the transfer portal has worked out, I think, is that guy that gets the opportunity to move up and do something in a different area of the game. Dalton Connect, to me, is the perfect example of this. From northern Colorado to Tennessee, that this is one where I see the transfer portal as a huge positive for someone to test himself in a, in a great league like the SEC for a year, and it's really worked out, obviously, for Connect, but obviously for Tennessee also. What do you think about that move for him and what he adds to that Tennessee team under Rick Barnes. It's been awesome. And you're right for, for Tennessee's purposes, you, you can't help but think he's the missing piece. You knew what you had in point guard play and veterans and defense. Uh, but everybody knows the kryptonite for Tennessee is scoring droughts and not having a go-to guy. And that's been the issue since Grant Williams was there and Dalton connect appears to have solved that problem. And the fact that he's been able to not only do it at home, but he saves his best for road games, any environment. He doesn't care if they're if they're down 10, up 10, need a big bucket, whatever it is, he's going to step up to the challenge. And so uh, he's been really, you know, at, at minimum once in a decade type player for a program, if you're lucky. And I think he's been that for, for Tennessee. You look at uh, Grant Williams, Chris Lofton, uh, Allen Houston, and all those that you say, man, you know, this is a special type player and, and especially – only being there one year, uh, you wish you had more of them, but man, is he making a huge impact. And I do, I think it's awesome for some of these guys that uh, wanted to test the water, see if they could hang with the big dogs. They knew they were playing well, but nobody was giving them much attention at, at the mid-major level. And for them to come in and say, you know what, uh, we got this. And, and we talk about parity in sports all the time and basketball, and the margin isn't that in the big, that, that gap of a top mid-major guy uh, versus a power five guy. And so it doesn't surprise me too often when you see uh, somebody be able to come uh, make that jump. And that's something I'm always looking at. When I look at guys, when they transferred, all right, could they perform at the same level they did at their last school? And I think that's a testament that Dalton Connect not has, not has only done that, but exceeded that. And that parity leads to a lot of excitement the first two days of the NCAA tournament every year. When you look at mid-major and, and high-major guys, 
Dane, when I, I watch Kentucky, it's a special offensive team. And I, I phrase that as special offensive team. I saw a mock draft that had Reed Shepard going second overall in the NBA draft. They've got Dillingham as a top 10 pick also. There's no shortage of talent. But what do you think about Coach Cal's inability to get this team to defend at all this season and how that's going to hurt them moving forward? Yeah, they, they've got uh, – I've, I've been saying they, they've got a Final Four offense with a round of 32 defense, and that's what makes you hesitant to buy into them. Um, I, I had the benefit of having their game after Georgia. When they beat Georgia at Rupp, Big Z came in and had that electric start. He was hitting threes, throwing behind-the-back passes. Everybody's like, it's over. It's championship or bust. And, and I don't blame people reacting that way. And just part of my prep for the next game against South Carolina was, all right, let me critically go back and watch this Georgia game. Georgia scored 90-plus on him. A kid named J- Jameer Abdul-Rahim, who's a good player for Georgia, but he's not first-team. He had – 34 or something like that. And I watched, I said, man, I told our producer and Tom Hart, I sent an email. I was like, God, despite all the hype, this is one of the worst defensive efforts I've seen in the SEC this year. And it, and it's carried over and you can say, yes, they're getting a little bit better at it, but I I don't know just because they beat Ole Miss at home uh, at Rupp means that they've solved their problems, but that's the elephant in the room. And they do have a lot of guys trying to figure out it. What's the best rotation and him trying to keep guys confidence up that might be going through slumps? How do I mix that future NBA player in to make sure he doesn't get benched and hurt his future and still keep the team first and best defense, best offense. And so it's, it's a little bit of a conundrum right now. Um, with that said, like if they're a six, seven seed, if it ends up being that NCAA tournament, there's no question. They're the most dangerous six, seven team <laughs> you, you probably have ever seen him. We saw that happen several years ago when I believe they were an, uh, an eight seed and they were able to steal that one line uh, path when they knocked off Wichita State in the second round. So um, that that could happen, but um, defense is, is a real issue and it, it's simple stuff. And if you go back a year ago, Kentucky really struggled. This, there was a version with Oscar Sheway. Everybody ran ball screens against Oscar Sheway or off ball stuff. Get him in the mix, they'll break down. And so here you are really in year two with um, maybe different defensive issues, but but same concerns. Dane Bradshaw, our guest on Hot Mile with Hunt and Withrow. Dane, when you look at the ACC and the teams that are projected to be in the tournament right now, compared to the SEC, what has caused the SEC to climb the ladder? And where is the ACC right now when it's known for hoops and it is, it's not close to living up to expectations at the conference? Yeah, I think some of that has been the, the passing of the guard, even though North Carolina Duke's still very relevant, but you you had uh, Bayheim retire and and others. and But I think also more than what the ACC may be, um, it, how, how them being down, it's more about what the SEC has done. And uh, I forget who said this quote, but recently they said, look, the SEC's become the cool place to play. And that narrative has taken a while to change in the reputation. And you guys have followed the league for a long time. It was, oh, all right, great. They're upgrading in their facilities. They've hired big-name coaches. But it wasn't just huge, quick turnarounds. Like Bruce Pearl, it took him a few years. And now all of a sudden you look up and they've had college game day there three years in a row um, as of tomorrow and 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 a contender for the national championship. And, and now you got the SEC Network and all the money flowing in and all those things that have uh, been so huge for the SEC. And now, you know, the the NIL, I think the SEC can certainly compete with anybody in the country, and you're accustomed to saying that for football, but I think basketball can too. And so when you, you put all that together, 
Um, and I think you found head coaches that aren't afraid to not only share the spotlight, but maybe take a back seat and accept the fact that, yeah, football is priority number one at times, but that doesn't mean you can't still be a priority and get to a final four, win a national championship in the sec. Whereas, you know, a decade ago, people thought, all right, you're going to go down to the sec coach and you're going to be second fiddle and, and good luck getting anybody to care about you. And that's just not the case anymore. There there's, there's, um, some significant fan bases that are growing and showing huge interest in the SEC and and for the ACC they, they got to do better in the non-conference because right now it's flip-flop now all of a sudden a team like Wake Forest who's on the bubble you're not accustomed to going through the ACC schedule and having these landmines and all these opportunities for bad losses you, you think the ACC is a conference schedule that can protect your resume not hurt it but it, it's become the opposite, which is something the SEC uh, uh, lived through, you know, eight, nine years ago. It's gotten a lot better. Well, Dane, it's such a good point. And also, you know, for years it was Kentucky as the program, and they're, they're still, you know, the program of the SEC. But then it was just Kentucky and a bunch of good teams to really good teams. Now you have Kentucky with great programs around them. That's got staying power. Tennessee, Alabama with Nate Oates, Bruce Pearl, and Auburn. Right, You go down the list, and you've got these teams that every year it's a given that they're going to be in the NCAA tournament. They're going to be a factor nationally. And then behind that, you got the collection of really good teams or good stories that pop up like a South Carolina this year. What do you think about the addition of programs over just winning teams when you look past Kentucky in the conference? Uh, absolutely. The consistency you see there with Bruce Pearl, with Nate Oates, with Rick Barnes, um, I'm sure I'm leaving some some off. I, I think Todd Golden's going to be great down at Florida. He's only in year two. Uh, Buzz Williams starting to get going at, at A&M. Chris Beard at Ole Miss. I mean, gosh almighty, the, the depth of quality coaching. Like, there's going to be some really good, talented coaches that don't have jobs in a few years just because everybody can't win. Everybody can't advance. You're not going to get 14 teams in the NCAA tournament. And it, it's just that's the nature of the business. But, man, there are some um, big-time um, programs in there. And to your point, I should know this, but I, I don't know. What, how many how many SEC uh, tournament championships has Kentucky won in the past five years or so? I mean, that used to be the Kentucky Invitational. Like, everybody just showed up, and if you're brave enough to buy a few tickets to watch your team get whooped by Kentucky, great, good for you. But it was it was Kentucky's spring break. Those those fans would come down and say, let's go to Nashville and have a good time and know our team's going to come away with a title. And it's 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 not a sure thing anymore, uh, thanks to all those teams that, that you mentioned. So it looks like, uh, excuse me, just going through the list uh, with the regular season champion, there was no tournament champion in 2020. Uh, they won the regular season championship that season. Kentucky did. They haven't won the tournament since 2017, 2018. <laughs> And they had, that, they, that's they longer, a longer, longer drought than I thought. Yeah, I mean, so you got Alabama obviously being competitive there, Auburn and Tennessee, and so uh, yeah, it, that's going to make Nashville a blast. By the way, I mean, it's <laughs> it's going to be um, anybody's ball game there uh, for the SEC title. But yeah, it's it's an iron sharpens iron type thing. I get the you know privilege of going to some of these shoot arounds. The attention to detail, the scouting reports. I mean, it's just. Yeah, no team is walking out there unprepared. And I never lost left a shooter. I'm like, man, I'm not too sure about that coach. Like, how'd he get that job? You know, like, I have, boy, this is a lost program. I, Not not with the current SEC. Uh, I'm not going to name any names, but there's been times 
you know, when I started with the network nine years ago, where you, you left a little bit underwhelmed from certain practices and the energy and enthusiasm at times. And, and boy, um, the, the depth of coaches is, is uh, phenomenal right now. And it's crazy to say this about a program that has not been to the Final Four since 1980, but is this a Final Four or bust-type season for Purdue when you look at the team they have this season? Well, it's certainly the revenge tour. I, I, yes, it, it's that's the goal. It, it's not that they can't get back there or this is their one chance. They, they've got too much history, and and Matt Painter is a great coach. It, it, look, if if there was a best of three and best of five, any of that stuff in the NCAA tournament, I'm sure he would have advanced further last year. Uh, but I do think this is uh, their opportunity to be Virginia 2.0, the Virginia Cavaliers who um, righted their wrong when they lost to 16 seed. But as I read in an article recently, it reminded me, Virginia was down again the next year when they were a one seed, I believe in that first round game and panic was setting in. It was like, Oh my gosh, two years in a row. They, they toughen up there in the second half executing the rest is history. And so uh, I think Purdue can certainly uh, do that this year. And Zach Eady's not the same Zach Eady was last year. And I say that in a good way. He's gotten uh, more, more athletic. He's gotten quicker. He's in better shape. And, and it doesn't have to be just Zach Eady. And you talk about having an inside outside presence, um, Zach Eady uh, and the Purdue Boilermakers certainly provide that, and I wouldn't hesitate to have them in the Final Four at all in my bracket. So, Dane, we're a, a month from tomorrow from Selection Sunday, and that will, of course, uh, be right after the SEC tournament and regular season will be concluded. Right now, who do you think wins the SEC? There are four teams right now within a game of first place. Yeah, I think Alabama wins the SEC, but I don't know that they're the best team in the SEC. I just think they, they were – they were eight and one at the halfway mark. And at that point I said, you know what? 14 at four, 14 and four is going to at least get you a tie for the league. And I don't see Alabama. So if they were eight and one, I was like, they're, they're not going to drop more than three out of their next nine. They're, they're just, even though their schedule's tough. So that's why I think Alabama's in the driver's seat, not just because they have a one game lead, but that goes back a couple weeks ago. I just, I think they set themselves up. Um, it, it was a small thing, but they, they had a comeback win on the road at Georgia. That was kind of their slip up game yep. that other teams have had. Tennessee's lost one to South Carolina, Auburn at Florida. And that was, that was Alabama's survival of that slip up game that has maybe set a couple other teams back and, and South Carolina has been a great story, um, but I, I I don't see them in the hunt for the title because they had the game at Auburn, but they also have to go to A&M. They got to go to Ole Miss, which has become a tough place to play, and they host Tennessee, uh, where Tennessee is going to be back for revenge. I, I see South Carolina maybe dropping a couple more games, and uh, whoever, you know, if Alabama can get to uh, only three losses, I think that's that's a wrap. But um uh, I think uh, more than likely you, you probably end up with a little bit of a tie at 14 and four with Alabama and Tennessee. Then you referenced the shoot arounds you were witnessing uh, earlier. Uh, maybe think of Memorial gym. That's the atmosphere at Memorial gym right now, right? Stackhouse has been there for several seasons. I, I didn't think it would be this bad. I didn't know how good he would be as a head coach at Vandy, but I mean, you know, you know, Memorial gym well, and to see that yeah. atmosphere now, which is nothing. Uh, it, I think there is, were 150 people there to watch them what? beat A&M at the buzzer the other night. I, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. Yeah. It was it was that low. I mean, it's uh, it is it's bleak. Let's put it that way. Uh, how surprised are you that it just hasn't clicked? Well, and this isn't just me trying to be an, an analyst and protect coaches. I I think Jerry Stackhouse 
can coach basketball. I think all the other coaches in the league think, man, that guy can really coach. And, and nobody would be surprised if he got some sort of NBA gig. As, as crazy as that sounds when you compare it to, to what you're you're describing. Yeah. Um, but there's been a, you know, if if Vanderbilt could have either, it's tougher, I get it. It's tougher to replace uh, your top talent at Vanderbilt than it is other schools because you, you it's just a, a tougher sell. And but when you look at Dylan DeSue playing well down at Texas, Jordan Wright playing well at LSU, Miles Studi playing well at South Carolina, that's three guys doing well at Power Five schools that were Vanderbilt Commodores that could be playing alongside Manon, Tyron Lawrence, like that. That's you know. And so if if you can't keep those guys, how can you replace it? And um, they haven't been able to do that. But I'll say this. The, the fan base, and obviously I haven't been there this year, but I can only imagine from what you described and what I've seen on TV. But even when they've been competitive and kind of in the middle of the pack of the SEC, the fans weren't really turning out. So th- there's been a disconnect there. And so there's been times where I've gone there, and, and sometimes this isn't by no means an excuse, but even the COVID restriction, restrictions were tougher uh, when they would host a, a rivalry game back in the yep. day. And I sit there and say, man, and put put this year aside, but the past couple of years when they've been on the bubble, most teams are able to get maybe an extra two-plus wins in conference play just because of their ability to win at home and the home court advantage. Jerry Stackhouse has not had that benefit. Now, you can say he needs to get out in the uh, community more. They should have built more rapport. I'm not s- sitting here to tell you whose fault that is or isn't, but I am here to say, the lack of home court advantage, you can't tell me, hadn't cost them at least two conference games a year. And Chad, you've you've harped on the home home court in college hoops. Yeah, you know that they don't well, and, have and, that. And Dane, you brought it up. You know, college basketball's gotten older, right? That's a big reason for the home court advantage. You got veteran guys that are coming back because of NIL, and Vanderbilt can't keep any of their good guys around. So that's that's a huge problem. It, it is, and I'm sure behind the scenes. Uh, Stackhouse and others would probably say, hey, here's here's why. And and maybe it was some things outside of their control. Um, but, you know, it's uh, they look, the commitment to facilities is on the way for Vanderbilt. And hopefully they they can also uh, support Stackhouse and this staff with with um, NIL and the things they need there. And, and I don't know how tough the admission situation is, but look, it, kind of same way ACC can be tough, too. You go take an ACC job right now. Um, you better have a, a good relationship there and say, hey, like, are you going to tell me I can't take a JUCO kid? Because I'm going to need one or two. Like, I'm not going to I'm not going to kill the school GPA and team GPA, but we yeah. got to have some wiggle room here to get some players in. And um, so, I, I, look, I, I think Jerry Stackhouse and his staff are, are really good, very talented, if anything. And I've always I've admired this about Coach Stackhouse. Sometimes when you sit there and you say, man, you know, all right, the other team's got got you on talent. You know, how are you going to improve this position, that position? Position. He's like, hey, look, we got enough to win. I believe in my guys. And Jerry Stackhouse has never been around less talent in his life than he's been at Vanderbilt. I mean, he was at Oak Hill in high school, North Carolina, the NBA, the G League. And he comes to Vanderbilt, and, man, he believes in every single one of those two or three stars like they're his own kid. Um, and in some ways, I'm not sure that maybe he hadn't heard at times because he believes so much that those guys can do it that maybe you got to go get a little bit higher talent, no matter how good your coaching and X's and O's are to uh, help bail you out in some games where uh, 
you know, the coaching is not going to overcome the opponent. And I bring it up because I'm thinking of the great atmospheres. Think about the SEC with Memorial Gym hopping. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, it's uh, it'll be awesome. Well, and it's it's never been better for coaching in the SEC. Yeah. Never been better for analysts at the SEC Network That's also right. with, with Dane Bradshaw, part of that. The Mount Rushmore of SEC Network <laughs> analysts. Dane, thank you, man. We always enjoy the visits. Awesome, guys. Anytime. See you in Nashville. Thanks, Dane. It's Dave Bradshaw, SEC Network. Coming up, Chad. Dumpster fire. Let's let's burn. I'm like like Usher uh, said, let it burn. Uh, I think Travis Kelsey would like to to burn the footage of the of the song. We'll burn all of it when we come back. Yeah, straight ahead on Hot Mike. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Sixth and Peabody, our location with the hot beer and old smoky moonshine. Glad you're with us. Friday edition, hot mic with Hutton and Withrow here at outkick.com slash watch. Big thanks to uh, Dave Bradshaw for joining us, Todd Furman as well. Uh, just a quick update on a couple of stories uh, from this afternoon. Tiger Woods, he left uh, Riviera on a, a golf cart after he was uh, withdrawing from the Genesis Invitational due to an illness. And uh, how about this, Chad? Uh, there's a report that uh, Russell Wilson is accepting offers and providing tours to potential buyers for the mansion that he owns in the Denver area hmm. that he just purchased recently. Hmm. Might he be moving? Maybe. Would be the question. Maybe. Will he be leaving to, to go up, somewhere else? that process going a little bit. Uh, that's, that's been a dumpster fire, right, of a move thus far. Yeah, I mean, it got a little bit better as the year went on, but better, overall but dumpster fire. Well, for what we expected, right? Overall dumpster fire. But not the dumpster fire of the week. We welcome in Davey Hudson as well. Guys, uh, the low-hanging fruit for me. Um, I don't. Where do you guys come down on karaoke bars? Uh, hate them. Okay. Not a fan, but I wouldn't go as far as Chad to say I hate them. How long do you last? I like watching people oh, no, no, do no. karaoke. No. I don't like for, for how long? Them. For how long? I can last about an hour. But I have to oh. be in the mindset. No, hang on. Let's go a lot I, of different directions. I, I, I got last about last about an hour to karaoke bar. Chat. Okay, good. Yeah, and I have clarification I, is good. Yeah, my God, good for you. Yeah, uh, <laughs> amazing. Yes, and amazing I, endurance for a karaoke yeah, bar. Thank you. Uh, and yeah. I have to be in the mindset for it, right? So imagine 
my reaction when I saw Travis Kelsey on the stage with a microphone. You know this song, sing along. Blame it all on my roots. I mean, this guy just sounded like somebody I to hang out with, up right? In boots and yeah. ruin the Niners affair. Who would you would the last be. one to know? We were the last one to show. We were the last one. I mean, can't we all see what Taylor sees in him? What she really likes about him, right here? Yeah. And I saw the Very surprise. Dumpster that fire fear in their eyes. I mean, this is a dump. Yeah. I love it. This is a dumpster here, here fire. Comes, here comes drunk Pat Mahomes to save okay. him. And, well, he tries to, and then he gets the mic back. you. This is a massive slam on the dumpster fire. It's so bad. Yeah, dumpster fire of the week, Travis Kelsey. Um, it's a really bad. Yeah, predictable and awful. The what guy, the guy I, don't I think wouldn't want to hang out with at the bar. I don't think it's going to work between him and Taylor anymore. Like, I think once she sees this... You know, there yeah. might be some, like, another month or two left, but I, I, I'm calling it now. This relationship yeah. doesn't make it to me. It's tough to respect him after yeah. seeing that. that. That's for yeah. sure. If, if you're Taylor Swift. They'll probably get another $30 million from Pfizer. What is the go-to karaoke song for you guys? If you, if you had to pick one, you said, all right, I've got to oh, do it, I mean, I'll do this. Just some old-school country, man. Yeah, I've got to be able to know the lyrics. You know, Davey? The la- uh, probably I want it that way by the Backstreet Boys. But uh, the last time I actually did do karaoke, uh, the girl I went with did want to do Friends in Low Places. Did so not or did? One. She did. That was, yeah, that was, so it's just about, tying that uh, in. So that's a, that's a good one. That's yeah, a good what about one. Ghetto Cowboy from Bone Thugs? Uh, I could do that one. <laughs> I, could actually, I, I would ride with Bone Thugs. That'll be your Huckleberry. Yeah, I'll, I'll be your Huckleberry on that one. I would go, if it's a duet, Summer Lovin' from Greece okay. would be my wow. go-to. And um, uh, Islands in the Stream, Backstreet anything boys. boy band, anything in uh, sync boy band. I, I Chad do. very well. No, I could do uh, Backstreet Boys, Backstreet Boys for sure. Well, Davey went, oh, that's in sync. Davey stole uh, I Want It That Way, so that, that's a good one. I would go with that one. I like, I like his answer there. Chad would go with the Christmas album from the Backstreet Boys. Yeah, I would go I, Islands in the Stream, great, great. Dolly Parton, Kenny Rogers, classic. Um, I miss Kenny Rogers Roasters, the restaurant. Yeah, I miss Kenny Rogers Roasters. Is there one? No, I feel like there's like one around. It's like, the one, it. it's like the one blockbuster you can go like sleep in. Yeah, for the night. I think you can sleep you in can a Kenny Rogers Roasters. Is that like a thing across yeah, the country? There it's, called, it's called Innisfree. You yeah. can't <laughs> you can get the fryer going. The whole thing. Uh, there's Beard Bomb for a Kenny Rogers there also. And it's it's Will, great. I also think of Will Sasso whenever I think of Kenny Rogers yeah. as well. Kenny Rogers, amazing. Um, my Dumpster Fire of the Week, Detroit Mercy Hoops. Detroit Mercy, they lost by one point in Oxford, Mississippi earlier this year on November 14th. Since then, they had lost, uh, l- let me see here, 23 is, straight games. This is the guy, uh, this is the team from the last year with the, the coach's son, right? Who nearly broke the scoring record? Sure. Pistol Pete? Yes. Yes. Forgot the guy's name, but yes. 26 straight losses. 26. Wow. Before they defeated this past week, who I call Ui Pui, I-U-P-U-I. Indiana University of Purdue University of Indianapolis, I think is the full name of the, the school, uh, which prompted this to happen okay. during the game. We had one lone person. Your final score here today. Storm the court. Wow. What is? That's it. That Travis Kelsey. That's all we got. Like that's if you get a one person court storming yeah. because you're one in twenty six. That that to me qualifies as dumpster fire of the week. So, Detroit Mercy. Well done. You're my dumpster fire. Chad, I'm actually going to stick in the world of college basketball like for my it. dumpster fire. Uh, FDU, Fairleigh Dickinson University, last year, Cinderella knocked off Purdue as the one seed. 
Last night, John Fanta was the one, good friend of the show, pointed this out. Of course it was, out. Fanta. Yes. Oh, Fanta's Breaking so tonight's game between Fairleigh Dickinson <laughs> and Long Island University at LIU is in a delay because FDU players are stuck in an elevator coming from the oh locker room gosh. to the court. Firemen are on the coming scene trying— Coming from the locker room to the court? Yes. Firemen are on the scene trying to get FDU players out of the elevator now. That sounds deliberate. There were 13 players stuck in this elevator for a good chunk. They, I didn't get the exact time they were stuck. It's a freight elevator, clearly. They had to delay the game. They eventually players. got it. Uh, the, the final, uh, I, it worked out in the end because Fairleigh Dickinson actually won by two in overtime. But that is one of those things. Yeah, they won 84 to 82. How long did it take to get them out? At least because the fire department's here. Yeah, so I mean, I'm thinking at least 25 to 30 minutes wow. minimum, right? At least, at least because they would have to, you know, you would call that in. See, I, I love this about college basketball that you can get stories like this. First up, the Long Island Blackbirds, the nickname yep. of that school. Why does Long Island even require an elevator at any point of their arena? How big can this place be? I'd love to get a screenshot of just how small the Long Island University Arena is for the Blackbirds to know why they would ever have to take an arena to any part of that facility. Blows my mind. But the little gems you get into, yes. like everybody go, boxes. just find like a CBS Sports Network or an ESPNU or something on a Friday night yeah. tonight and go watch and bet. This is what I do. Go bet on one of these small college games. And I just marvel at the gems. That they play like Fairfield was a good one, like one or two weeks ago. Vermont, who's in the NCAA tournament every year from the America East almost, their gym is so tiny. Every time I turn on, like, I played in bigger places in high school. St. Mary's. Than here. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure those are a little bit larger, but yeah. That's more your time frame at like 11 p.m. when it starts. Reminds me of high school, Jim. Yeah, like like the 6 p.m. Central Time tip off. There you go. You're seeing the Steinberg Wellness Center. Steinberg Wellness It's bigger than I thought. Holds twenty five hundred. It looks like a student okay. recreation center that they it, put it a is. gym in. It's twenty five hundred. Wellness Recreation and Athletic Center. It's a twenty five hundred seat multi purpose arena in Brooklyn, New York. It was built in two thousand and six and is home to the LIU Sharks, men's and women's basketball, women's volleyball, women's fencing, women's swimming and diving, and women's water polo teams. So this doesn't look that large though for all of that. Brooklyn is Long Island too. Did I just learn this? That Brooklyn is also Long Island. Well, you, you know, it's got, but you, you've got this. Why is combination. Long Island University in Brooklyn? Well, is it just like the now campus? I'm very confused. It, it might just, yeah, they have to ship them over there for each game, kind of thing. Them. Yeah, you box those and you ship those, and you box yeah. them and you ship them. We're going to ship you over to Brooklyn for this. I just think of Long Island. I think of not tall buildings, so I think of like a very small student rec center that LIU yeah. plays in. Not this. This looks like a cityscape that we're in, which surprises me. Have you ever been stuck in an elevator? No. No. Ten minutes most. It was was for me. And it wasn't too bad, but it was actually like the the power had gone out in the building at the time. And then but once it kicked back on, the elevator came down. I was freaking out there for so a So this bit. is a picture of the actual elevator. gym. Here it is. Look at this. I mean it looks like a civic center. I mean I, I what's guess it going is. on on the side? Is this during COVID? This yeah, this is COVID. Because everybody's spaced out on the bench. Oh yeah. <laughs> In mass, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, this is a this Maybe is a COVID still, shot. I mean, this is New York. But also, also, I don't know how many more people you fit in when you roll those out. Hutton, in high school, did you have to before a game, like even before after the JV game happened? Yeah. JV, no bleachers, limited bleachers, but afterward, yeah. Like the boys' basketball team would have to all get together. All right, oh, no. one, two, three, and roll out the bleachers. Not do that for the game. I don't, I don't even know who did that. 
We did it. We had Probably old school. Like it was not. Now it's on a button. Yeah. You just hit it and it goes out. We had the button. Mine, we had to one, like two, three, pull, pull together. No, so you someone had the same did time have to do that. But to I roll the bleachers out. Yeah. I was too busy. In that the was locker us. Room. Colby King was smoking his uh, wind stick yeah. during that time. I was playing Tecmo Bowl. We had Tecmo yeah, Bowl tournaments there. But we had to leave Tecmo Bowl to actually manually pull out the bleachers. Colby King, RIP. You know where they still do that? Long Island University. Based on this picture here. Where you have... COVID separation, but also bleachers. What's going on here? Where's, where's the basketball in this? I'm telling you, it's nothing more fun than uh, watching these right small schools. Right below the basket. Oh, okay. Right my, underneath. Somebody's my guy got at in the their top hand. of the key is still in defense. That's why I'm like, what, what's going on here? <laughs> uh, from this angle, it looks like UCLA is playing at home, too. <laughs> the uniform. Right? <laughs> no, it's the same If this were the color. football program, yes. Yeah. Well, UCLA's really got a rough patch financially right now when I see yes. that. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, Chad. I like Davies Dumpster Fire of the Week with the elevator. Um, and Detroit Mercy, I mean. Yeah. The one storming the court. That person had a hangover just like Travis Kelsey. Yeah, no doubt. Travis Kelsey, truly, epically bad performance. We can end the show here. It's, uh, it's 4.55. Well, we can, but we, we won't. Can end it, we can end it right now. You can go check out the Will Kane show. You can. Will Kane podcast. Uh, we uh, were lucky enough what to be a part of What a great way to end the show. Yeah. With and, this promo. Uh, you can check it out right now through Fox News Radio and The Will Cain Show, where we discuss a variety of topics, football, hoops, and more. And, well, yesterday he, he asked us about the money flowing in to college athletics. But now they have this awesome new basketball stadium, which you would presume would also serve for multiple sports. Um at, at UT, but now I just saw Chris Del Conte, the AD at Texas, give his sort of annual address, and he said they're looking at building a five to six thousand person volleyball exclusive stadium, which is pretty fascinating to think about on this front. Well, volleyball is not a revenue generating sport, but how much money is now flowing through colleges? Yes, in part because of football, because of athletics, but also endowments and, and everything. It's it, you know. I've the the argument for paying players and I don't I'm not even talking about the downstream effects which I'm super conservative about like what does this mean paying players and what does it do to our sport but the argument's never been stronger when they're looking for ways to spend it like hey we need a stadium for volleyball you know like this this is in in large part driven hugely by the dudes playing football you know uh first off my Tennessee orange versus your Texas orange. Just keep in mind that Texas burn orange could have been in trouble in the Spanish American war. Had it not been for some volunteers from the state of Tennessee. So we are linked at the hip there. Will we are, we are brothers in arms Mexican at this point with Mexican American war and orange Tennessee, Arm Texas. Yeah. Bro brothers in arms, brothers in orange. Well, I'll just also. say it's, it's good for you guys. You're never going to get, yeah. you're never going to get shot in the woods. That's you're never going to get shot in the woods. You know, hey, you, you've always got important. Hunter orange on. Right. Avoiding friendly fire. De definitely important when you're out hunting some deer. Um, no, look, I, I think the money in, in college sports has always existed. It's now all about allocation. Will Kane show. Check it out. WillCaneShow.com. That was fun. Fun discussion yeah, with awesome. Will. He does a great yeah, job. Great dude. Great Check dude. that podcast out, everybody. Uh, we are back 4 o'clock Eastern Monday with a lot to get into. Shannon Terry will join us. We'll talk NIL and much more. Hope you'll join us. Enjoy the weekend. We'll recap it. Monday, Hot Mike with Hunter Withrow right here at outkick.com slash watch.